0: We have to remember that eternity is a long time compared to 80 years, 90 years. 60 years, 40 years, 22 years. And we need to live our lives in light of eternity because at some point, all of us will breathe our last breath on earth. And we want to live our lives on earth with eternity in mind. We have to keep that long view. We have to keep that long view.
1: Our time on this earth is fleeting, if you really think about it. We may be given a long life by the world's standards, but when compared to eternity, it's only a moment. Pastor Daniel today encourages us to turn our focus on where we will be spending eternity. If we accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, we will be with him when we die, living the glorious life God intended. We then need to strive to make the fleeting moments here on earth count. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Succession Plans.
0: Open up in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 27. Numbers, chapter 27, as we continue our study here through the book of Numbers, Numbers 27. If you're new to the Bible, don't worry. Numbers is very, it's extraordinarily easy to find because it's literally the fourth book in your Bible. You open up from the beginning, you have the book of Genesis, then you have the book of Exodus, then you have the book of Leviticus. And then you have the book of Numbers. Now, oftentimes people never read the book of Numbers because when they're trying to read through the Bible, they quit in the book of Leviticus. And they normally just kind of fast forward and pick up it in the Psalms, right? And so nobody really ever reads the book of Numbers. But the book of Numbers is an important book. Literally, it covers 38 years in the life of the children of Israel from the time that they left Egypt before they entered the promised land. And we're calling this our final series in the book of Numbers. We're calling it preparation because with these last section of the book of Numbers and the entire book of Deuteronomy, all of this takes place over the span of about a month right before the children of Israel are actually going to enter the promised land, which happens in the book of Joshua. So today, really what we're looking at is a series of succession plans. Now, I know it doesn't sound all that exciting. But you have to think about it that for certain situations, you have to think about what's going to happen after my part is done. Remember last week, we spoke a little bit about the idea of a legacy, and we found that in that fun and slightly quirky take that we had on the different census that we looked at, that there was a number of people who were in there who the legacy that they left for their family name was actually a pretty shoddy legacy. That forever, for thousands of years, people are going to read about certain people who made terrible mistakes and the legacy was going to be a poor one. We also saw it again when we were looking at Haman and Haman's sons this weekend in the book of Esther. But all of us need to think about how does the work that I'm doing now, how will it survive long after I'm gone? See, oftentimes we build everything for right now and for us, but really we should think, I want whatever I do to last beyond me, that it would have a greater impact farther along. And so we have two different accounts here. One has to do with the issue of a father who doesn't have any sons, And so what happens to his land when he only has daughters? And I'll explain that. And maybe the more important part in this chapter is that Moses is also concerned about who is going to be his successor in leading the children of Israel. So let's jump on in. Numbers chapter 27, picking up in verse 1, it says this. Then came the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of, I'm not kidding, Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Makir, the son of Manasseh from the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And these were the names of his daughters, Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, Tirzah. And they stood before Moses, before Eliezer, the priest, and before the leaders and all the congregation by the doorway of the tabernacle of meeting, saying, our father died in the wilderness, but he was not in the company of those who gathered together against the Lord, in company with Korah. But he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family because he had no son? Give us a possession among our father's brother. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. Now, it's interesting because in chapter 26, we get the census. We find out these are all the people who are going to be going into the promised land. But in the midst of this, and remember we talked about this, that in that culture, it was a patriarchal society. And so the father was the head of the home, right? And then when the father passed away, the next oldest son assumed that place of headship in his family. Now, you would imagine that if a family didn't have any sons, then what happens? Because in that culture, women were not allowed to own land. They did not work outside of the home. And really, you all realize that that's a modern invention of the idea of women working outside of their homes, that it's only been in about the last 50 years that that became something that was commonplace. And so what happens to the family of a man who doesn't have any sons? Right now, I know it kind of seems archaic for us to even talk about this, but we have to realize this is going on now. What would be four thousand years ago or thirty five hundred years ago? Some, you know, it's a long time ago. So the culture was different, and so what is interesting is that we find out that it's the daughters of this man Zolosipha had and he's from the family of Manasseh of the tribe of Joseph right? And so what we find out is that they come to Moses, they come to Eliezer, who's the priest, and before all the leaders of the congregation at the tabernacle of meeting. So listen, all the elders of the children of Israel there, and they pretty much ask, our father died in the wilderness. Is his name going to be blotted out from amongst the people because he had no son? So What's interesting for us is that with both chapter 26 and 27, we're reminded that a whole generation has been lost in the wilderness. Like the only two people who are going to walk into the promised land from those who walked out of Egypt were Joshua and Caleb. And right now, the only ones who are left alive is Joshua, Caleb, and Moses is still there. But we're going to see that Moses at the end of the book of Deuteronomy is going to go the way of all the earth and go home to be with the Lord. And so we're reminded now, because they come, they say, look, our father died in the wilderness. But notice they make the point that he died in his own sins. He did not die in the rebellion of Korah. So it's interesting that, that phrase that he died in his own sins. Because we always have to remember that death comes to humanity because of sin. And we always struggle with Death. Anybody who's been confronted with it, no matter what the circumstances, whether somebody's lived a beautiful long life, like our dear sister Ruby, who went home to be with the Lord. I mean, Ruby was in her mid nineties. And I mean, when I first got here to Crossroads, Ruby was one of the first gals I met and Ruby always had a word of encouragement for me, thanking me for being her pastor. And I'm just like, man, and Ruby grew up as a Christian. And she went home to be with the Lord. And she was ready. She would tell me, she's like, Pastor Daniel, I can't wait to be home with my Jesus. You know, or we have situations where people die way too young. Whatever the circumstances of death are, the root cause of death is sin. And because the wages of sin is death, death happens because sin happens. And that's exactly what happened. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis when God told Adam and Eve, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if you eat of it, what will happen? You will surely die. No, no, they didn't die right in the moment that they ate it, but they did ultimately die. And so death happens because of sin. That's why it happens. And if you literally look at how long people lived from the time of Adam it steadily went down right up until the industrial revolution when medicine I mean people were living 30 40 years on average and then with the advent of the industrial revolution and science now we're able to lengthen life right and recently steadily the average age of people is getting a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger but the reason death happens is because of sin and they're saying, "Look." Our dad wasn't involved in the rebellion of Korah, but he did die in his own sins nonetheless. And I don't want to be morbid, and those of you who know me know that I'm not given to being negative, but if you read the writings, historical writings of Christians, especially in generations past, one of the main disciplines that people used to grow spiritually was to contemplate eternity, not just the amount of time we have here to think about there's going to come a day when I'm going to leave this life and I'm going to go home to be with the Lord. And I wonder for us if we need to reinstitute that type of thinking, living our lives in the light of eternity, remembering that this life is our pilgrimage and heaven is our eternal destiny. Because oftentimes when we get earthbound in our heart, we become earthbound in our motives. And we have to remember, we have to remember that eternity is a long time compared to 80 years, 90 years, 60 years, 40 years, 22 years. And we need to live our lives in light of eternity because at some point, all of us will breathe our last breath on earth. And we want to live our lives on earth with eternity in mind. We have to keep that long view. We have to keep that long view. And to quote William Wallace from Braveheart, you guys remember that movie? All men die, but what? Not all men truly live. And isn't that true? And Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So... In this case, these daughters come. Their father died because that's what happened. And literally, their request, their request is, why should the name of our father be removed from among the family? Because he had no son. Give us a possession among our father's brothers. It's an interesting request, right? And notice how Moses gets at answering this request. Look what it says in verse 5. So Moses brought their case Where? before the Lord. True wisdom is not the best wisdom that we can find in our books, unless it's the word of God. See, God is infinitely wise. God is, he's the alpha and the omega because the beginning and the end is the eternal presence for God. God sees everything, knows everything, understands how everything works. And oftentimes we limit ourselves and we limit the counsel we give because we give counsel before actually seeking the Lord. We don't say, God, what are you doing? We say, this is what you should do. But Moses here proves to be a great godly leader. Because this question comes in, it's the first time we have, what happens when a father dies without sons? What happens to their land? What happens to their name amongst the people? And so Moses doesn't know the answer, so he takes it to the Lord. And look what it says in verse 6. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses. Ah, I love that. Moses brought something to the Lord, and then the Lord spoke. When was the last time you left a question? With God and said, God, what do I do here? And you stop to listen. We live in a hectic world, don't we? Like it's all like everything's happening, and in a lot of ways, our approach to prayer would be the equivalent of this. Imagine you just you feel totally lousy. I mean, your stomach's not good, your throat's not good, your eyes are bloodshot, you got a runny nose, and you're like, man, finally, like I've taken everything I can get over the counter. I need to go see my doctor. And you go and you go, Doc, man, just feel terrible my stomach hurts my eyes are red and itchy and i got booger all sorts of boogers you know and it's just like in your i'm hacking and i lord and doc i just feel lousy okay thanks so much i'll see you later don't we pray that way sometimes where we tell god everything that's wrong and we don't ever say what do we do like you just give god all the symptoms and you don't ever wait to say god do you have something for me there's something i want to learn now, we always have to remember it. I was sharing with some sisters before the service that prayer is all about relationship. It's not just about getting the answer. It's about God wants to have a relationship with you. And you know, and I know that relationships grow. Intimacy grows in communication over time. The people who you have the closest friendships or relationships with, they're the people who you've had the most communication with for the longest amount of time. That's how relationships grow. And so prayer is not just about, Lord, this is what I need and this is what I need. It's about God wanting to have a relationship with us and wanting to communicate with us, us with him and him with us. And we call that prayer. That's what it is. It's talking with God and receiving from God and learning from God and sharing our lives with God and letting God share his life back with us. And so people all the time say, well, I asked God and he didn't answer. I'm like, well, just keep talking to him. Because what you find when you pray is the answer is superfluous because it's all about a relationship. Oftentimes we go to God with a prayer and God actually wants to reveal all sorts of other things to us. Our immediate need becomes the context for God to impart the life of Jesus into our own hearts. So when you pray, don't neglect listening. Don't neglect silence so that God can speak. Because the Bible says that God wasn't in the whirlwind and he wasn't in the lightning. God spoke to the prophet Elijah in what? A still, small voice. Now, you know what the problem is with a still, small voice? It's very hard to discern that in the midst of air conditioning, buzzing lights, buzzing phone, the jams on the stereo system, the microwave going off, all the things happening, our ADD brains that are trying to multitask 95,000 things, it's hard to hear a still small voice in the midst of that, isn't it? And part of the problem that we have is that all of us were so pressed and we're overstimulated and we're over caffeinated and we're overscheduled that when God speaks in a still small voice, we're never going to hear it because our own brains are so loud. Our internal dialogue is so loud. All the competing things for our attention is so loud. We're reminded in the Psalms, it says, what, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Be still and know that he's God. See, prayer is entering. It's almost taking your mind and bringing it into your heart and waiting for God to form Jesus in you. And our needs become the context for that relationship. Moses had a question. He brought it to the Lord, and then we find the Lord spoke to Moses. Notice what it says, verse 7. The daughters of Zelophehad... Speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. And you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, if a man dies and has no son, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass to his daughter. If he has no daughter, then you shall give the inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, you shall give his inheritance to the relative closest to him in his family, and he shall possess. And it shall be to the children of Israel a statute of judgment, just as the Lord commanded Moses. So you see that because of the bewildering situation, now Moses goes to the Lord. And now we find out that these daughters are correct he says they're right and then we have this all this succession planning because unlike today like today we can just buy property right if you could afford it of course right or if you can finance it you can go and you can say hey i want that lot right there and that thing with you know when they were going into the promised land they were going to be given land by tribe that it would be an equitable amount. Larger tribes would get more land. Smaller tribes would get less land. But everyone would have the same amount of land. And when a father passed away, that land went to their children, to the sons. But now we find if they don't have a son, it goes to the daughter, right? And then he goes on to say that if it doesn't go to the daughter with no son, it goes to the daughter. And then if he has no daughter, then it should go to his brother. So it stays within the family. So the daughters, if there's no son, the daughters get it. If there's no son or daughter, then the brothers get it, right? notice verse 10. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give the inheritance to the relative closest in his family. So there is succession. It goes to the son primarily. If not the son, then the daughter. If not the daughter, then the brothers. If not the brother, then next of kin, and then the next of relatives. So really the idea is it all stays within the family. And notice in verse 11, we find out that this becomes a statute of judgment for the nation. Like this is the way property is meant to go from father downward. And what's interesting about this is that allowing daughters to inherit when there was no sons in the family, it also creates other sets of problems because when they married they would take their husband's name and go to his land. And so when you get to chapter 36 in the book of Numbers, we're going to get some of these other things because, again, when a woman married, then she went to live at her husband's house on their father's land. So in Numbers chapter 36, we're going to get more about this because what happens when the property goes to the daughters and then they marry, how does that all work for the family name? And so you really see how it goes. And I think what's fascinating also is that in this culture... The fact that the women were allotted property if there were no sons, that was actually unheard of. You will not find any ancient writings that would ever see the property go to the daughters. So don't miss that because it's so interesting in our culture as our culture has progressed. People always want to say, oh, you know, the Bible is so sexist and it's so patriarchal. And it's like, you can't really say that if you actually read it. Like, people always say, oh, yeah, Ephesians 5, you know, Paul's such a sexist. Wives, submit to your husbands. I always laugh when, like, I literally start laughing hysterically when people say that stuff to me. And I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. So Ephesians 5 is anti-woman, right? So so it says, wives, submit to your husbands, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you know what it says in the verse before that, right? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, it says, submit to one another in the love of Christ. So first Paul says we all have to submit to each other. Then the next verse says, wives, submit to your husbands. So do what I said before. And then you go two to three verses down. And what does it tell husbands to do? Die for your wives. Yeah, so sexist, right? I always say, would you rather submit or die? I mean, which, you choose one. Like, what are you going to choose? Like, okay, here's your option. I can either die or submit. I'll say, uh, submission, please. All right? it's like one's worse than the other. See, the problem with the the way our culture interprets Ephesians 5 is you have husbands who want their wives to submit without really loving them enough to give up their lives for them. And that becomes a problem. See, it's easy for a wife to submit. No, it's not easy because none of us are wired for submission, right? Let's, let's get that out there. But when a wife knows that her husband has God's glory and her best interest in mind, there's a better chance of it happening if someone's following Jesus. But Let's be honest, submission is hard. Submitting to one another is hard. Submitting under authority is hard. I mean, we struggle with it in all of our pride. But when a man loves the Lord and loves his bride, there's a better chance of her saying, my submission is actually a healthy thing because he's got God's glory and my best interest at heart.
1: Jesus is... Today's message showed us how well God takes care of his children. When a concern arose among the descendants of a certain family, Moses brought the matter before God. And Pastor Daniel shared how God made provisions for every possible outcome. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel.
0: God has been doing some amazing things at Crossroads. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is our new campuses. We launched a brand new campus in southwest Portland. So if you're in the area, I'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Our online campus is reaching the entire world. And we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9, 11, or 1 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next episode of Jesus Israel Radio.
1: Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel tells us the plan for the leadership of the Israelites. As Moses' days were coming to an end, God brought a new leader for the people, ensuring that his children would not be like sheep without a shepherd. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled Preparation. Please glance at the clock right now. And make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.